for those of you that might not know me well or you know maybe know my history uh, before I got suckered into ministry um, I, I owned an antique business uh, import business in, in Pasadena and I did that for about five years uh, I, I, before that I was in the museum industry and um, well Working for a museum is like working for the church. There's just not a whole lot of money there. And so I crossed over to the dark side and became an antique dealer. Um, and, I, and I love that job. And the irony is, is that uh, I specialized in religious art. So I bought like, I bought like church furniture and, and statues and vestments. I made a killing on priest vestments. I bought thousands and thousands of them, and they were really cool. A lot of them had like gold embroidery and pearls and, and just, just absolutely gorgeous stuff. And then I would buy them in France or Belgium, ship them back here, sell them to interior designers who would chop them up and make pillows out of them. Oh. I know. I didn't, I was, I didn't care. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it, and I did really well. And this was... Uh, this was before I was married to Mako. I've only been married to Mako, but it's before I got married. Um, it was before the euro, so we had a strong dollar, and I would buy, you know, the 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 exchange rate from the French franc to the from the American dollar was just great. So I had a huge. Uh, economic advantage in business when I would go over there and buy. Just the dollar just went a lot farther than it did. And I loved it. Then, the euro took place, and it, 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 like, it really hit. It, like, it, it was a big sting. And at the same time that that, trans, that happened, when, when, they, when they just made the euro, so all the Europeans have the same money now, uh, the same time that happened, 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, I mean, the whole, I mean, some, most of us remember what that was like. The whole world just kind of freaked out and shut down. And for me and my business, it was especially hard because of overseas shipping containers trade because we were freaking out. And so America was holding everything. And then, you know, I, I had a container on the water coming in and uh, on my manifest, I put Persian rugs because I had I'd bought a bunch of Persian rugs. And that just threw a big old red flag up at customs. They seized my container and they broke all my stuff and I had to pay for it. Uh, I had to pay, had to pay the, you know, customs uh, government to house the container that they seized. So it was devastating. It was like, it was, for my business, it was like a devastating hit. And to make matters worse, I got into a big fight with the tax man. So at that time, I had risked and leveraged way too much and at that time, when, I, when we lost because of the euro, we lost because of uh, the 9-11 thing, I didn't have money to pay the tax bill. It was, it was devastating. 
And I, you know, I, had, I was on the phone with them all the time. It was super stressful. Um, it was just, it was hard. And then, in the audit process, they seized my bank account. Now, that is a very dark feeling. That is, if, that just, it just, there's fear, anger, frustration. You don't have any control at all. It's, it, it's similar to having a home invasion. It's the, the, we've, you know, we've had people break into our home, come home, and you know, all of our stuff is stolen. That's the type of an emotion that it felt like, just a complete violation. And it was just, it, it was a very hard season for us to get through that. We went from, you know, running a very successful business to having to shut it down, you know, fairly quickly. And it was heartbreaking. It is a very strange thing that a power can come in and legally take your money. That's, a, that's weird. That doesn't, it doesn't seem right, does it? And it could be something that we can all maybe experience someday in the future. In the future, there might be a, a time when there is no longer a cash system. If you're following along in economics, you know that there is a push to digitize everything from Bitcoin to digital online stuff. And so there is, it's just, it, it's just easier, right? Like I hardly ever carry cash anymore. I buy my coffee with my phone, right? I scan my phone to buy my coffee. I don't write checks anymore. It's all this online digital transfer stuff. Now, as believers, should we be concerned about things like that? Maybe. And I, the, the scripture that we're going to read today in the book of Revelation, it just needs, we need to give it pause and we need to be aware of what could be taking place in maybe the near future if we continue on this track. You guys okay? Am I scaring the pants off of you yet? This is Revelation chapter 13. All right, so uh, in Revelation, we've got some interesting characters. We've got some good guys, and we've got some bad guys, and we're going to read about two of the bad guys. Um, the three main bad guys in the book of Revelation are the dragon, which would be who? The devil. The beast, which is this antichrist it is he the beast is a person or a figure of some sort that has tangible authority on on the planet the beast and then the false prophet who is going to uh just trash the church trash christians and it's just so those three those three characters the the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And the, the reason why that there's three, it is a mockery of our Holy Trinity. So the dragon is mocking God the Father. 
the beast, the Antichrist, is mocking Jesus. And the false prophet is mocking the Holy Spirit. Okay? So those are the, there's lots of uh, comparing good guys and bad guys. You will, we'll probably get into the whore of Babylon a little bit later. And that is a contrast to Mary, because the, the, story, the nativity story is right in the big middle of uh, Revelation. It's fascinating. So there's a lot of contrast like that. So, uh, so when I'm talking about the beast, when I'm talking about the dragon, in this chapter, you'll know who we're talking about. Uh, we'll start off at verse 1, chapter 13, verse 1. Testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw the beast coming out of the sea. Okay, so we've got the dragon, and then we've got the beast or the Antichrist. He had ten horns seven, and seven heads. That's kind of weird. With ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard and had feet like a those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. Okay, I don't have time to get into all that symbolism, but it's important. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but that fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. All right, so the whole world is going to be just like like enraptured and, you know, and fascinated by the beast. I mean, you know, in our story, he's coming off as a negative thing. But from the world's perspective, this is going to be somebody or something that everybody's going to fall in love with. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. So it's leading people to literally worship the devil. That's just, I know. And they worship the beast, and they ask, who is like the beast who can make war against him? Skip down to verse 10, halfway down. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. All right, so that's right there in the middle of this chapter. I want to read it again. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you're the saints. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are living for Him, then you are a saint. We're just going to continue to work on your sainthood, okay? Let's just spend some time on that, work on our sainthood. So, now and in the future, we need to learn how to be patient and endure and be faithful. All right, here we go. It gets better. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. There you go. So whatever this image is, whatever this beast is, uh, he's going to look nice. But he's going to say dangerous things. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast who had the fatal wound, who had been healed. 
And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven and fall in full view of men. Okay? Because of the signs, he was given power on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Okay, now pay attention to this. If you have your Bible out and you have a pen, underline this part. He ordered them to set up an image in the honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Okay. He ordered them. Who is them? People. It is his people. Okay. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. The number is 666. Okay, you guys all scared now? Okay, don't go home and watch horror movies, okay? A couple of things, I know it seems kind of weird, but a couple of things that I'm going to take it out of the weirdness, I'm going to make it extremely practical. It is fascinating to me that A, we have the technology to buy and sell with the palm of our hand. Today, literally, you can go over to Whole Foods, you can go to Whole Foods or the Amazon grocery market, and you can buy your groceries with the palm of your hand today. I would have never have thought that that would have happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So the technology is there to buy and sell with your hand or maybe with your eyes. You know, who knows how it's going to get. So that technology is there. Now, what's fascinating about this, about this scripture to me now this is just, these are just my bright ideas. There's a couple of other, you know, end time prophecy guys that would probably agree with me. I would like to think that I came up with the idea all on my own, but well, I probably learned it from someone else, but I'm still going to take credit for it. The beast ordered people to make an image of him, an icon of him. That's, that was given life and that was given breath so it could speak with authority. So let's just get real practical. I mean, this, this could be, I think that, you know, whatever this Antichrist is, whatever this beast is, most likely it will be some type of political leader or person that we're all going to fall in love with because he's going to solve the world's problems. And he's going to take a fatal wound and he's going to resurrect. And what in the world is the image, this icon of the beast that has the same type of power, that has the same type of influence, that is leading people? Now, this is what I think that it is. We, are, we, are, we can debate, we can discuss, 
but it makes a lot of sense to me. Who made the icon? Who made the image? We did. And then it was given life. We are on the verge of singularity. Our society is on the verge of creating AI that will be self-aware, that will have a conscience, that will be aware of itself. Some of the futurists are freaking out, not, not Christian futurists, but futurists are freaking out about the idea of AI being self-aware, being able to solve problems. We cannot, our world is so complicated. Just think about your own life and how complicated your life is. Wouldn't it be great if something can come in and solve all your problems? We're going to be running into, in, maybe in the near future, we're going to be running into supply chain issues again. We think, we think that China is going to starve again. There's going to be some big, big issues coming up. And we're not smart enough to fix these problems. But AI could. AI could fix all of these problems. A monetary system that was, that was so in tuned that could divvy up finances to solve all of our issues, that, that could be there. If we get to that point, I guess you could say the big question for you and for me is, do we buy our groceries with our palm? <laughs> I got some notes. I would highly, I, I don't think we should. I don't think we should go that far. You know, back in the, in the 60s and 70s, when, with the introduction of the credit card, of the MasterCard, remember MasterCard? The church was freaking out at the beginning of that because they, they, this, is a, this is a doorway. This is the slippery slope to a cashless society. This is the beginnings of receiving the mark of the beast. Okay, so the mark of the beast, just so you guys know, it's not going to be a tattoo that punkers like to get on their foreheads. It's not going to be a fringe thing. It's going to be a system that everybody's going to want to adopt because it's going to make life a lot easier. So what do we do with this? <laughs> you know, do we, while we still can, do we cash out our dollars for Bitcoin? That's probably not a good idea right now. But if we, you know, it's kind of like how we lost the, the power of the dollar against the euro. I mean, that could happen again. So what, what kind of decisions do we make as Christians if we are living in the end times and if this technology is going to be so dominant? It's a scary thing to think about, isn't it? It is a scary thing to think that a governing power... could get into your bank account and take your money whenever they wanted to. They did it. It happened to me. Now, I know we're kind of I'm kind of touching into the, you know, the conspiracy theory type stuff. And is this going to happen in our lifetime? It could could not. The good news is is that Christianity is still the number one religion in the world. 
In this country, it's on a pretty sharp decline. The number one growing religion in the world is Islam. The number one growing religion in this country is also Islam. So the world is changing, and we need to be able to be patient and endure and be wise. We need to consider these things as they're coming down the pike. So what do we do? What do we do in the area of our work? Because we all need to make a living, right? We all need to have a currency. We all need to have a way to buy, to put food on our tables. So we, ha- we are in this world. We need to learn how to be not of this world, but in this world. So we still need to, you know, we still need to buy stuff. You still, you guys are going to go to lunch and... Um, uh, you're going to divvy up the bill a little bit later and somebody's going to Venmo somebody else. Or somebody's going to Zelle somebody else. Is that the mark? Why don't you guys use cash anymore? I don't know. I mean, this is, this is, how, this is how business is being done now. So how far is too far? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop with uh, buying my groceries with my palm. How you provide for your family, how you bring your finances into your home is something that the world can also begin to adjust. So, I want to probably get myself in trouble for saying this. In a couple of ministry trips that I've taken at a younger age, uh, one when I was 10 and another when I was a little bit older, I visited two communist countries. It is my personal conviction that communism is evil. It, is, it, is, it takes the life out of everybody. Not only does the government have control over your money, they have control over what you do. They assign you your job. Now, that's a scary proposition, too. How would you like it if the government just said, okay, uh, you tested this way, and this is going to be your lot in life, and here's your punch card, and you have absolutely no freedom, no, you can't decide what you want to do. You can't change your mind. You will be a worker, you will be a doctor, you will be a lawyer, you will be a teacher. Oh, and by the way, you're all going to get paid the same. It's a scary thought to think about. In the, in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh, who is also a metaphor for the devil, he keeps his people in bondage. He keeps God's people enslaved. They have no way of generating income. They have no purpose or design for what they want to do for their careers. They are enslaved. And so when Moses says, let my people go, we want to go out into the desert so that we can worship that's the key. The devil doesn't want him to do that. 
The devil did not want God's people to worship in the desert, to begin to build a new life, to experience freedom. The devil wants to keep us out of that sense of freedom. So communism, in my opinion, is a lot like that, and it's bad. When I was, when I, I, I've told this story, and again, some of you are new, so maybe you don't know it, but when I was 10, my dad, mom, and a ministry team smuggled Bibles into China. And I got caught, imagine that. <laughs> I got caught. I'll never forget this. Uh, the customs agent had me in custody, and my dad pulled this guy aside and said, you just need to let us go. And the, the, the guy's like, well, you're doing something illegal. Why are you doing this? And my dad's like, we just wanted to give, we want to give this gift to the Chinese people. We want to bless your people with these Bibles. And then, of course, you know, this, this, this soldier's like, well, that's just not going to happen. And then he asks, so why would you do this? Why, why would you take this type of risk? He's like, again, we want to we bless the Chinese people with the Word of God. And he says, yeah, but don't you know that I could take your son away from, from you and you'll never see him again? I have that kind of power. I have that kind of authority. <laughs> My dad's like, we, we understand the risk. We want to bless these people. Now, that's the type of thing that... A regime like communism will do because it is a system that takes away people's dignity. So, let's talk about what you do for a living. How was your work week? How was, how'd you do this week? How was the relationship with you and your boss? How was, uh, did, you, did you make your quota? Did you make all of the ends meet? Uh, was, it, was it stressful? Was it hard? Was there disappointments? I think that probably with this audience, we could all agree that a regime that would take away your independence, a regime that would say, I'm going to take your money and divvy it up between everybody else. I think we can all agree that that, that just, we, as Americans, we don't like that. It's an extreme. I believe that communism is an extreme. But did you know, as an Americans, we can fall prey to another extreme? And that extreme can be selfishness. So, I love my independence. I love my individuality. I love the fact that I had the, the opportunity to start a business in this country. I love the fact that if I, if I wanted to create something new or if I wanted a new job, like, I have the freedom to do that. I love the fact That in this country, the sky's the limit. 
Like, if you really want to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire, you can do it. Anybody in this room can do it. It's, it's, it's attainable. I love that fact that I can provide for, for myself. I love the fact that I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and make things happen. It is an incredible freedom that we have. Now, where a society based on communism, in my opinion, is evil, a society based on selfish individualism is also evil. Let me explain. It's pastor confession time. At times, I can be a selfish person. Why is that? Because I'm an only child. My parents have two only children. If I am not careful, I can fall into an equally dangerous spiritual trap that says, I am working for myself. It is so easy for me to fall into this trap. You know, when I had the antique business, I made it happen. I did this. This is my creation. This is my business. Even, I mean, I work for a church right now. <laughs> I'm a minister. I've been a pastor for, for 20-something years. Even though I am working for the Lord, working for the Lord, if I am not careful, I can find myself working for my own needs and desires. So I want to encourage you to think about your work week and what was your motivation? What was your, what was your drive? Were you working to get something? Are you working to achieve something for yourself? Are you working for just to make it? Some of us are just working just to make it. So here's the practical thing that I really want us to take home. I want to shift how we view today, how we view our work. Now, one of the easiest things that we can do is that you don't work for yourself, you work for your family. Amen? Right? So, I mean, this is even, look, again, I'm confessing. Like, if I'm not, if I'm not, aware of what my motivations are, I will find myself working for myself because, well, you know, I want to buy that Lamborghini, right? I want, I want, I want to please Josh. Who cares about Sophia and Mako, right? But as men and as moms, we work to provide, right? We work to provide. And sometimes working to provide can be a loveless, thankless job. There is no gratification uh, for providing at times. 
Do your kids really appreciate the fact that you bought them pizza? They don't. They don't care. They don't care how that, that you uh, did some overtime to make things happen. They're a bunch of ungrateful little munchkins. But when we take a biblical view of finance and of work, th- something changes altogether. It's almost as if when you think about what you do as a job and as, as what you do to provide, and when you are providing for others over yourself, then you're getting in, into the biblical spiritual realm of what work should be. When you place yourself into this category that says, okay, I am, and, and almost, honestly, it kind of sounds like communism. It's like spiritual communism. I am not working for myself. I am working for the collective, my family. The scripture also says that we are to work not only to provide for our families, you ready for this, but to be a blessing to others. That's a tough one, isn't it? Do you know that God wants to bless you so that you can bless others? It's tough, isn't it? Let's see. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Let's see if I can find it. There we go. There's a way to find Colossians. Use Gentiles eat pork chops. I know. Ask me later. All right, I'll, uh, I'll change this a little bit. Employees, obey your earthly bosses and everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Amen? So provide for your family. Don't provide for yourself. Provide for your family. Maybe even take it up another step. Not all, don't just work for yourself, but work for others. But even deeper, don't work for men. Work for the Lord. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Bosses, provide your employees with what is right and fair, because you know that you have a boss in heaven. All right. So if you are frustrated with work this week, I understand. I get it. If you're having a hard time making those pennies pinch, I know, I get it, I understand it. 
But here is this, this, this little shift that will completely change your week. This little shift will give you a different perspective on work and on finances. And that little shift is, it's not about you. Do you deserve nice things? No. No, I'm just kidding. You do. Like, you can have some nice things. Absolutely. But you don't get to take the toys with you. Can't get, I don't get to take my antiques with me. They're all going to burn up. I like them, but I don't like them that much. Oh, the antique business was horrible. I was completely obsessed, completely consumed, addicted, like lost. Another reason why I stopped the antique business is because I got married. It wasn't good for my marriage. <laughs> you know, I, th- I thought I was too consumed in ministry. Like the antique thing was worse. Like I was at auctions, I was at yard sales, I was all over the place. I, I just never stopped. I had to, I had to beat my competitor. But when you learn this secret that what you do is not for yourself, it's for others, that changes absolutely everything. When we begin to think in these ways, we don't have to fear the mark of the beast anymore. We don't have to have this this fear that says, they're going to take my stuff, right? Because the truth is, when you begin to live this way, it's not your stuff. It's the Lord's stuff. It's God's money. He's just letting you use it for a little bit. He's just letting you borrow it for a little bit. He wants to see if you're going to be a good steward with what he has provided, if you will actually use your job, if you will actually use your income for good rather than for yourself. He's testing us with our money, frankly. And he's testing us with our jobs. Your career, your job should be rewarding and fulfilling for you if you are working for others. There could be a day when in your career, in your job, you might be faced with a challenge to compromise. You might have a boss or a corporation or a company that is going to ask you to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing or to take a stand or a belief on something that goes against the Christian faith. Like, those days could take place. But if you're working for others, when you lose that job, guess what? You don't lose your identity. Amen? Whenever the stock market crashes, and then whenever there's a big crash, there's always some broker that jumps out of a building. Why? Because his entire identity has been wrapped up into what he does and who he is as a stockbroker, right? 
But when we, when we live for the Lord and not for men, we don't have to fear that fear. When we live for the Lord and not for the men, when the Antichrist comes and when AI comes, you know what? We don't, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to be like, okay, we need to be patient and we need to endure. This will pass. God is faithful. He's never left us. He's never betrayed us. Uh, Chrissy gave me a quote that I'm going to steal from her today, and that was, what was it again? Do you remember, Jim? That's it. So the purpose of Revelation, despite all the scary monsters and imagery, is to not build bunkers, but to build bigger tables. Is that good? I think she found it on Facebook somewhere. <laughs> it was a meme generated by the Antichrist through AI, some algorithm or something, I don't know. Despite all of this stuff that seems a little heavy and a little scary, don't be scared. You put your faith, you put your trust in the Lord. You live your life as though it's not for you, it's for your family, it's for your church community, it's for others that are in need. You begin to live your life that way, and you won't be afraid. It is an incredible power. It's a, it's a power that the early church had. They were dealing with the same exact stuff that we were, that we are. All right, one last scripture, and we'll wrap it up. Wisdom during these times is going to be crucial. Proverbs chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Amen? Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Obsess about being faithful. Obsess about being in love with God. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm going to rephrase that one too. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Don't lean on your own understanding. Like I know it's Claremont, we're all smart, we're all hardworking people. But trust in the Lord and not in your own abilities. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. You're not going to be confused, you're not going to be freaking out. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring you health to your body and nourishment to your bones. We all need a little bit of health right now. I'm obviously fighting this cold thing again. So what should I do? Fear the Lord and shun evil. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son delights in. God disciplines those he loves. And guess what? He loves you. And guess what? You're going to get disciplined. (laughs) Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. Okay, but pay attention to this. I love this. For she, that is wisdom, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Isn't that fascinating? So what's worth more than gold? What's worth more than silver? What's worth more than Bitcoin? Everything right now. What's worth more than digital transactions? Wisdom. Wisdom. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord will lay the earth's foundation. By understanding, he sets the heavens in its place. By knowledge, the deeps were divided. And the clouds let the, drop, the dew drop. My son, persevere sound judgment and discernment, and do not let them out of your sight, for they will be life to you, an ornament of grace around your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid, and when you lie down, your sleep will be sleep. Have no fear of sudden disaster. Isn't that an incredible promise for you. Come what may. You know what? Maybe we'll just continue going on as we're going on and life will be normal for the rest of our lives, just like it is just now. I would be okay with that. But if the worst is going to come, what did Proverbs just tell us? You embrace her. You embrace wisdom. And you, have to, you don't fear anything. What an incredible promise. Let's embrace wisdom today. Let's make our work worship. Jim, come on up. Did you know that we worshiped when we began? And did you know that tomorrow morning when you clock in, you have an opportunity to worship again? Because done right, work is worship. What you put your hands to, to bless others and to bless the Lord, that is worship. When you take yourself out of it, when you say, okay, I'm not doing this just for me. I'm not doing this so I can buy the next toy. I'm doing this as worship unto the Lord. I am working unto the Lord. And you get to worship all week long. It's a powerful thing. All right, let's receive communion, eh?
I need, a, I need elements. I need to steal somebody's element. Okay, thank you, Holly. <laughs> All right, we're going to receive the body of Christ so that you will have a better work week. Amen? When you're in the body of Christ, when you'll partake of his provision from this bread from heaven, manna from heaven, when you say, I'm going to receive this body, I am a part of the body of Christ. That strips away the only child syndrome. Does that make sense? You are a part of the body. That means that you are working for the body, the collective, the collective body of Christ. You are a part of this. It is bigger than you. It is bigger than your needs. It's bigger than your desires. But everything that you need is all wrapped up into this body. All of your provision, all of your finances, your career, your paths, your education, done right, it's all here when you're in the body of Christ. Receive the bread of heaven for your provision. The beginning of wisdom and knowledge is not more book learning not another class. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord. This is that, that you're in awe and that you're in wonder of Him. I'm in awe and I am in wonder of the Lord. Fascinated by Him. I love wisdom. And at times, I find my heart growing cold towards that love of the Lord, towards my first love. Why is that? Well, that's because I get selfish. The opposite of wisdom is pride. The original sin is pride. Now, we've all stumbled this week. We've all committed a little sin here or there. But the one that we usually overlook is that sin of pride which is the source of all sins. So, let's just sacrifice our pride today. Let's sacrifice our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Let's have Jesus forgive that sin today. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This washes away all of that selfishness. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, making you a part of the body of Christ and not this selfish person. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. If you feel like the Lord, the Lord is working on your heart right now, I want to just bless you. If you feel like 
there's something inside of you that's just not right with the Lord, or maybe you don't even know the Lord and you want to know the Lord, you want to know what this is all about, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. If you need to get right with God, raise your hand. If you need to get with God for the very first time, raise your hand. God bless you. I see you. 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 And the Lord sees you. It's not going to be a hard sell, but if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your boss, it's very simple. You just repent of your sins, you confess, and you say, Jesus, I want to walk that straight path with you for the rest of my life. If you made that decision, Something's going to take place this coming week. You're going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit resting on you and bringing you comfort. You're going to get a peace from heaven that doesn't make any sense, that will eclipse the drama, that will take that sting away. The Holy Spirit is such a good counselor. And if you made that decision in your mind, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the body of Christ. What's your next step? Your next step is to reach out to one of the pastors. All of our emails are in the back of the bulletin. We'd love to talk to you about it. Next step is you have to, if you're believing in your heart, the next step is you've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You do that through baptism. You do that through testimony. God's doing incredible things. It's time to spend the rest of eternity with Him. Can I have the ushers come to the front as we receive the Lord's offering? Heavenly Father, you are a good and loving Father. You have plans for us. You have incredible plans for us to prosper us and not harm us. Heavenly Father, we know that you've got the right job and the right career and the right education lined up for everyone, that you've made a way. You've even brought in discipline when we don't like it so that we can be better employees and better bosses. Father, we worship you today. We worship you with our, with our tongues, with our hands lifted high. And we worship you with our hands low in the dirt, doing our jobs, working, working that job that you provided. Father, we read today 
that if we do these things and if we obey wisdom, we will find favor with God and with men. So I pray this blessing on everyone here, that you find favor with God in your day-to-day and that you find favor with men and women, but whoever your boss is, favor upon you. May doors open up that you did not expect. May blessings come your way that you did not see. And may we learn this secret that it's not about us, that we work to serve others, and that we work unto the Lord. I pray you bless this offering, that we advance the kingdom of God in this little cute college community, but also all around the world. God bless you guys as you get back. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. Because you are good, you're good. You are good. You guys are going to have a great work week. Amen? Amen. Believe it. Declare it. Favor is coming your way. Open doors are coming your way. You're going to, yeah, you're going to get into some tussles here and there, but you're going to have the wisdom to deal with it. You're going to have the strength to overcome. You're going to be smarter this week because you've embraced wisdom. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious towards you, to turn towards you in your times of need. May the Lord grant you peace beyond anything you could experience, even in the darkest times. God bless you guys. Have a powerful week. Remember, work is worship. You're going to go worship tomorrow as you clock in. God bless.